All right. The Paul Chambers Quintet with I Heard That. That's uh, with Freddie Hubbard on trumpet, Cannonball Adamy on alto sax, Winton Kelly on piano, Paul Chambers on bass, and Jimmy Cobb on drums. This is from their 1959 album titled Go. Well, I just had to go to the construction people here and just kind of tell them, listen, I need a little less noise. And they said that they will make a little less noise. But it doesn't sound like it. This is Lead Stories. I'm Utrecht Lead, and it is Free Your Mind Friday. What's Free Your Mind Friday? It means we dispense with our regular format, our regular programming, and instead we give the program over to you so that you can express your opinions and ideas your points of view about any subject you choose, giving especially uh, a point of view that is yours, not anybody else's, but yours. It doesn't matter whether people will agree or disagree with what you say. It's important that you make a cogent case for your position and see how people react. It's still valid, no matter whether people uh, uh, react positively or not. This means that you have an opportunity to interact with fellow listeners uh, in a way that you, you wouldn't get to do ordinarily. You know, you can get instant feedback if your presentation is powerful enough to elicit some kind of reaction in the listening audience. So it is important to take advantage of the opportunity to free your mind. The number to call is 888-874-4888-888-874-4888 to free your mind. Tell us about something that is weighing uh, on your conscience or in your mind. Tell us what it is. Tell us why it is occupying space in your head. And tell us what you yourself think. Uh, what is your what opinion have you drawn from the things swimming around in your head? Uh, that's a wonderful thing to do. You'll feel a lot better for it. People may or may not agree, but, you know, that's life. The main thing is that you can share more intimately with the audience, with your fellow listeners, what you have been thinking about a particular subject or issue or event. 888-874-4888. I'm here, ready to hear what you have to say at 888-874-4888. Well, 
life has been very interesting lately, uh, mostly overseas, but uh, we haven't formed an opinion or analysis yet. I mean, we get it in dribs and drabs, uh, people reacting mostly to news coverage. I have some opinions about that that I have shared with you. Um, but it's not a pretty world right now. Uh, when we have these kinds of developments that threaten to ensnare us all. And uh, I mean, we have no say in it. We have no way of saying, no, I don't want to be involved. Or I don't want to know. It's happening. So we have to figure how we're going to cope with these uh, developments as they occur. E from Edgewater, you're on the air. You start us off today. Good afternoon, Eutrice. Good afternoon, E. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I just, I'm just calling to talk about what happened yesterday. Uh, yesterday, I guess it was more like uh, one in the morning or something. It happened on 95 North and South right here at Edgewater where I live, and uh, that's the entrance I get on when I go on the highway there on 95. It was closed from Edgewater to New Smyrna because there was, it was, uh, the weather report was for fog to be coming in, and for some reason they had this prescribed burn thing that they wanted to do, and I think they should have rescheduled it because they shouldn't have done it on a foggy uh, when they knew fog was going to be coming in. I guess you can't guarantee uh, that happening, but they they burn uh, sagebrush, palms, and you know every week they pick up barrels from our house uh, as long as it's refuge from trees, you know, leaves, grass, all that kind of stuff. They pick that up and they put it into a special dump, and then I guess they burn that stuff every so often, and they pick that day to do it, and it caused this big disaster of a pileup because people couldn't see on the highway. They come, they came up to it. It looked like, you know, a little smoke, but it just didn't end. It, it blocked off everything and the wind was blowing all of it right onto the road there. The three people died and many people injured. Oh, and it wow. was quite a disaster. And they just uh, reopened it finally. It took two days. To, they had to repair the, the roads because the uh, tractor trailers went on fire and the road got all damaged. I got stuck in it yesterday coming back from Daytona. I took 95. I figuring that it was all cleared up by then, but it was backed up for miles. I was stuck for about an hour. Anyway, uh, you know, that's the way it goes. But I, I really didn't understand why they would burn... Uh, stuff that's going to make a lot of smoke. You know, when those palm uh, fronds and, and sage stuff gets wet and then it dries again and then it gets burnt, it, it creates a lot of smoke and it's very acrid, burns your eyes. And I was smelling it on Wednesday and I thought my neighbor was making a, a, a little fire or something, you know. We all have like fire pits and stuff in our backyards to make a little barbecue, whatever. And no, this was coming from six miles away. It was coming all the way down here to my house, uh, which is on the coast over here. So it, it, it's uh, it's mind-boggling. 
But I guess they didn't uh, think the fog was going to be so bad. And, uh, you know, I guess they're going to be in for a lot of lawsuits now because uh, that really exasperated the situation. And it was quite a calamity. Well, that's what I, I just wanted to convey because I live right here. So that was the big All news right. yesterday. Well, thank you. I'm sorry. It cost three lives. You know, three yes. people died because logic, just plain logic, plain thinking, apparently did not prevail. Thank you, E, for bringing that to our attention. Gwen from New York, you. you're on the air. Happy building in Florida. It sounds like they're building right on top of your head. <laughs> yes. Um, no, it's no kidding. It's true. I know. They better, they better watch out before you, before you come out and get in a piece of your, piece of your mind. <laughs> You're, they're going to be the ones that are really running. <laughs> oh, okay. my gosh. I, I know. It's, it is very frustrating that it's happening. Very frustrating. Um, I wanted to say just a couple of things. Just I, just, I wanted to say this. I uh, love to share on the show, and I love to hear other people share. But, you know, I don't like to be called out personally when somebody doesn't like what I say. I would just prefer, I don't mind you not liking what I say. I would just, say, I would just like it if somebody would, instead of naming me, just say, I heard somebody say the other day and I didn't agree with it. Because it makes me not want to be uh, as free when I call. It makes me, it sort of makes me personally feel inhibited, inhibited a bit. So, um, you know, I certainly don't mind anybody disagreeing with any of my opinions, but I just think we should be careful of, you know, naming names when, when we want to say something we don't agree with. That's just my opinion. Point, point taken. Point taken. Thank you. Thank you. The second thing I wanted to say is that um, as I watched uh, the Ukrainian uh, event unfurl, there's a couple of things that come into my head, and that is that um, there wasn't this uh, – people weren't as shaken uh, when they were looking at the people from Iraq getting uh, bombs dropped all over them. Uh, we didn't really react the same way when we saw the Palestinians, uh, you know, 2,300 were wiped out. And you could watch that in real time on TV, but, but people weren't really upset about that. And I'm not saying this is not something to be upset about, but I noticed that – when, when the United States is watching Ukraine, which has a lot of people that look a lot like the citizens of the United States, people are getting really upset looking at this. You can't really put your mind around it, can't wrap your head around it, because all of a sudden the other doesn't, it doesn't look like the other. The other looks like you. And I think it's even hard for the Russian soldiers going in there. But I, I still can't stand the systematic hypocrisy of what we're doing as if we had nothing to do with this at all. We had everything to do with this. As a matter of fact, the people in the Ukraine are just stuck in the middle of something that was going on between the United States and, and Russia. And it didn't happen yesterday. It's been going on for years. But we keep creeping uh, our forces closer to their border. We keep expanding NATO. And we keep the wars, uh, we keep drumming for war with Russia. And um, so now it's here. And uh, yet people... This morning I saw that they came very close to hitting a, a nuclear power plant. Uh, and I guess it just, you know, if you want to go to war, I guess, you know, all right. But at least have the, 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 the guts to say what you're doing. 
Stop telling me that the United States is innocent. Stop telling me we didn't have anything to do with these policies. Of course we did. We brought, we broke our word. All the way around, we broke our word. We signed an agreement. As soon as we signed the agreement that we wouldn't expand NATO past East, East Germany, man, we started right away. And they're surrounded by NATO. So, you know, here we are, like, acting like this, this fell out of the sky. We can't understand it. We have no comprehension. Those poor people. Give me a break. We sacrificed those people. As much as Russia is sacrificing them, we sacrificed them too. We did not care. And by the way, we're not sending troops. So here we are telling them we're not sending troops. We're also sending weapons over there. A term, a term I'm going to use is willy-nilly. We are sending them over willy-nilly. We don't really care who gets the weapons. And we're, we're actually having civilians in the United States sending weapons over. So, you know, if you're a guy in, in uh, New Jersey and you have, like, 20 AR-40s, you're going to send them over to uh, Ukraine. And you're not going to know what happened to your gun or who used your gun. You're not going to know if it was a gang or if it was somebody defending themselves. I feel really, really bad about what's happening to the people of Ukraine. It is terrible what's happening to them. But it is terrible to hear the propaganda of our own war machine going on and on and on about you know, uh, uh, how, how, how we had nothing to do with this. As a matter of fact, they don't even say we had nothing to do with it. They just don't say anything. And the silence is deafening. And it's like this recipe I hear every single time we go to war with another country. Every single time it's like we're innocent of, of any wrongdoing. Uh, you know, we're, we're, the, we're, we're only trying to create democracy. And it's, it's, in this case, it's not, uh, not true. And I have heard some voices, but I was surprised to hear I heard Katrina Vanderhoeven uh, did a really good commentary on WNYC, and I thought she gave a lot of clarity and, um, and, and really good information for people to hear. But, you know, people don't want to hear it. And, and I mean, now, um, just, just as FYI, that, you know, now they're saying the gasoline prices are going up because of Ukraine. They're not going up because of Ukraine. They're going up because of just straight-up corporate greed. We have a glut of, of gas in this country because we fracked. And whether I like the fracking or you like it, it happened. And it created so much that we have a lot, and we could, we could easily be selling it to other people and not have a shortage here. It, these prices are going up simply because the manufacturer, the people that are, are owning the companies are price gouging us. And so, anyway, that's just some of my, my feelings uh, this week about the war. And I just hope that more people keep putting out the backstory of, of what really happened between Russia and the United States that created Ukraine. That is what happened. Could you start helping us a little bit with that? What happened between Russia and the United States? Okay, well, when we... When, when uh, uh, Reagan was trying to put back uh, together the two Germanys, East and West, which was very unappealing to everybody you know, in the United States, we didn't like this because we didn't want Germany to be that strong again after World War II. But uh, Reagan suggested it, and, 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 and uh, Russia said, okay, we'll go along with it, as long as you say that NATO won't go one inch further than, than the border of Eastern Germany. And as soon as the ink dried on the paper, we started soliciting uh, uh, to have other countries join NATO. So we have, um, I think, uh, uh, Romania and uh, Hungary, several nations have joined NATO. We're up to 30, 30 of them. And so back in 2015, I think it was 15, when Barack Obama was the president, we put even more weapons on their border. And this has been systematic because George W. Bush Sr. did it as well. 
Then uh, George W. Bush Jr. did it. And now we have uh, Barack Obama who did it. But when Joe Biden came in, apparently over last month, he put some more in there. Now, they're very nervous staring down, you know, the, 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 the barrels of our guns. It wouldn't make us feel comfortable if we had our if we had Russian weapons on the border of Canada and Mexico. I'm telling you, we would have lost our mind. The 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 thing though that you have to ask yourself is why didn't they start acting out before this? I think they just reached their tipping point with this. But you have to also remember that uh, after uh, Gorbachev uh, uh, signed Glasnost, that Russia also went down the toilet. So they really didn't have um, they didn't have the, the kind of um, society that was strong as, as they had before under the Soviet Union. So they, they probably, you know, were immersed with those kind of issues. But every time I turn on the TV or the radio, I just keep hearing about, it's like this guy one day just got up and decided to slaughter all these people. That's not what happened. And so this has been something that we've been, we've been leading up to. Hillary Clinton pretty much as well as said that she was going to go ahead and go to war when she was uh, running for the president. It was definitely on her radar, and it was just a matter of time. So, you know, here we are, and it's very, very dangerous. I mean, I think for people to think this is going to be over uh, next week and things are going to settle down, I, I don't think that people can possibly understand all the things that could go wrong now. That, you know, you have citizens, you have gangs, you have all these weapons floating around, you have, you still do have um, a portion of the country which is um, uh, uh, pro-Nazi, so they're still out there. They, uh, they, they, do, they, they may not be a gigantic part of the country, but they are still there, and they do, they are the, they are the extreme far right, and they're there and they have a presence. So there are still a lot of things that can happen. But I just, you know, I, I, again, I just wish that America would stop acting like, you know, we were standing on this. We were standing here watching, you know, watching our, our own selves, and we didn't participate in this. Of course, we participated. It makes me so mad as an American too, because, you know, I don't want, I don't want to participate in these kind of lies. You know, if if you want to do something terrible, well, just say straight up, you want to do a power grab, and have the guts to say this is what we're going to do. Okay, but to to stand back there and 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 very quietly act like, oh. We didn't see that happen. We didn't. We didn't know it was going to happen. Of course, we knew it was going to happen. It was very clever on on the part of America too, because you know Putin is is supposed to be a smart guy, and he acted so stupid here. He acted completely reactive, and 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 he, you know if if he was concerned about his image, well, his image is in the toilet, but also what's in the toilet is his life, because sooner or later they're going to be gathering him up and they're going to try out war crimes, and he's going to probably get executed. So, I'm, and I'm no friend. Policies. I my 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 skin in the game is with my country. It's I live here in this country. What's going on with us? So I'm just asking for some news people to put the rest of the news on. Stop putting half the news on. Put the whole thing on. Absolutely. Thank you. You made several really powerful points here, and I Thank hope you. somebody follows through on any number of them. Thank you so much. Glenn, for calling in and contributing today. Marcus from Wisconsin, you're on the air at 888-874-4888. Good afternoon, afternoon, you, Therese. Thank you very much. Good afternoon, Um, Marcus. Earlier in the week, uh, you had mentioned uh, 
racism in the context of the reporting um, on Ukraine, and rightfully so, uh, that there were um, no reporters of color featured by the mainstream media, of course, or the corporate media, as I like to refer to them. Um, And, of course, this is exactly correct. And um, while I'm no... Uh, 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 anything like an authority on racism. Uh, I happen to be white as a bathtub myself. Um, uh, (laughs) I I thought about it a lot, and I've had a lot of experience, intentionally went, uh, uh, have had a lot of experience with people from all over the world. So uh, I wanted to touch uh, a little bit on a point that uh, your last caller, uh, Gwen, I believe uh, is her name, uh, touched on. And uh, I don't follow this myself, but I have a very good friend who uh, sort of surveys the media for me because I don't have the stomach to look at it myself. Um, And she gave me examples, uh, a bunch of examples of the kind of reporting that's going on um, about Ukraine from the corporate press. And it's being called unthinkable. These are people that look like us, not some third world nation. This is a civilized European nation that's being bombed, in fact. I have one in front of me, and there are just a few sentences I'd like to share. This is from some clown at the Telegraph uh, named Daniel Hannon, and he says that this is, in fact, a war on civilization itself, because... They seem so like us. This is what makes it so shocking. Ukraine is a European country. Its people watch Netflix and have Instagram accounts. War is no longer something visited upon impoverished and remote nations. Hmm. It could happen to anyone. Now, this bespeaks a kind of racism that runs so deep. Um, this is this is the sort of acceptable uh, version of public racism. And I would contend that the opposite end of the spectrum that I would like people to consider is the progressive unconscious racism, which is just as pernicious. And one of the most uh, obvious ways this manifests that I've noticed over many years is the uh, adherence to what they call uh, pacifism, uh, pacifism of conscience. So, you know, it's fine if you're a Houthi uh, or Ansar Allah uh, fighting against Saudi Arabia that's being 
because they're massacring citizens funded by the U.S., that's okay if you're violent against that over there. We're in solidarity with you. But, oh, we could never, ever resort to that because we're too principled for that sort of thing. See? Now, I mean, to me, progressives, uh, in order to to teach them to stop justifying their occupation of the comfort zone um, should perhaps go and not just visit, but take part in actual oppressed communities in North America, uh, an inner city black ghetto or a Mexican or Puerto Rican barrio or an American Indian reservation or some urban enclave or, you know, southern rural black communities, something, and, you know, don't just visit, but stay for a long time, eat the food, live in similar facilities, get by on the average annual income, and then preach, then I want to hear you preach nonviolence to these people and and how unreasonable it is because it would be dangerous if we participate in violence and all that. So, you know, I think we should actually think at least about this perspective and question our own adherence to this very comfortable view we have of ourselves. And it's not, it's not just racist, it's classist, and it's privilege in a way that we don't like to acknowledge about ourselves. And all of us are guilty of it to a very great degree. And I think uh, it gives us a really, uh, a, a really inaccurate view of the realities of the world and what, what real revolutionary possibility is. It's real revolution is not rhetorical. It, it involves action. It's hands-on. You actually have to do it. I mean, even Martin Luther King Jr. talked about this. You know, he, he, he admitted, yes, I adhere to nonviolence, but what these young people around me in the 60s who are who are being violent have is they understand that you do have to act. You do have to act effectively that I share with them. He said, uh, I'll find the exact quote for you at some point. Uh, but this is part of what I like to refer to as the fog of peace. It's not the fog of war. It's the fog of peace. It, it deludes us into a false sense of righteousness, and uh, we start relying on our rhetoric and stop seeing reality. So that's all I wanted to say about it today. All right. Well, thank you. A very heavy point being made. Thank you so much. 888-874-4888 is the number to call while we take a break and come back to your thoughts. You're listening to Lead Stories on PRN.FM. I'm Eutrice Lead, and we're talking 
anything that you, is on your mind. That's what we're talking about today. As part of our regular feature, Free Your Mind Friday. The floor is open to you, and you can express your views about any subject. There's no uh, theme except that it should be out of your head, right out of your own head. And why are you bringing these things to our attention is the other part of it. What do you want us to consider after, you know, as we hear what you have to say or the point that you're making? What does that have to do with teaching us anything, teaching us a lesson? Um, and why, why do you bring this to our attention? This is a very important thing. But anyway, there's no theme, there's no topic, except what's in your mind? Uh, let's hear about it and why you're bringing it to our attention. Lizzie from Manhattan, you're on the air. Actually, it's Leslie from Manhattan. I hope everything is well. Your name is what? Leslie from Manhattan. Leslie. Okay. Thank you, Leslie. Good to uh, good that you called in. Thank you for taking my call. And um, you might recall that last year we had disagreements, and um, <clears throat> you thought I was rude, and I apologize for that. Yeah. Things happen. <laughs> okay. Wait, wait till you hear me get rude. <laughs> you say, is that your trace? Yes, it is. But what are you talking about today? Well, I'm talking about Russia and Ukraine. Um, I am okay. against war for any reason, but I'm asking people to diversify their news sources for the sake of truth and the principle of free speech. Now, um, I'm not taking any sides. I am ambivalent, but I've been reading different news sources. And um, I think that Russia may have been provoked to attack Ukraine by NATO's expansion to 14 central and eastern nations bordering Russia when mentioned this, and then courting Ukraine for membership to NATO. So there's been a lot of water under the bridge there's been a lot of agreements that were signed by all the nations in NATO that they would not expand to Russia's borders. So there's been a lot of written agreements in, by different countries, and they all have copies of these agreements. But I'd like to recommend that people, if I may, can I refer people to a particular website for some news? Go ahead. I'm asking a question. You said go ahead? Yes, sure. Okay. So the website is um, Global Research News. And they have an article on today's, that came out today that says, Did NATO just declare war on Russia? And this is by Michael Whitney, who is a research associate of the Center for Research on Globalization. Um, global Research News, you don't need a prefix or a suffix. The algorithm will bring it up. And um, Michael Hudson, an economist from the University of Missouri, he says the USA is trying to maintain hegemony. NATO is um, NATO unity has been solidified over Russia's sanctions, and the sanctions hurt 
Europe more than Russia because they are paying increased prices for energy and for and now there's a problem with the, the wheat shipment. I think Russia and Ukraine together export 20% of the world's wheat. So that's going to be in trouble because all the major shipping lines are now refusing to ship any of Russia's products anywhere in the world. So this is this quagmire can be quagmire for Ukraine and not just for them. It's going to affect most of the world one way or another. Wheat, wheat prices, food distribution, oil distribution, natural gas distribution is going to be a really awful mess. So another person whom I would like to recommend is um, John Mearsheimer, who is um, a professor from the University of Chicago and Cornell University. And he, he's, um, his recent video on YouTube is called Putin's Invasion of Ukraine. And um, I think these people give a different point of view than we're getting from corporate media because they're only giving us one side, not the other side. They're not letting the Russians speak, just the Ukrainians are speaking. So we're not getting a complete picture. They're leaving out a lot of stuff. The whole people will try to make use of these two sources to get the other side of the story and a bigger picture. Well, it's not just the other side. That suggests that there are only two. There are many sides to the story. And we need to appreciate as many of those sides as possible because it's a complex issue. Uh, it has been boiled down because the, the, the growing feeling in the world of media is that people can't handle uh, more than two things at a time. So you have to simplify everything to make the news manageable for them. Otherwise, it will go over their heads. So you have to make it easier for them to ingest. Um, that's why you see so many news reports uh, literally operating at the level of, uh, of high school and, and uh, probably first-year college. Um, well, I'm but you say that I think it's because they want to show one side of the story. They want everyone to support the USA, support NATO, and be anti-Russia. But it's much, much more complicated. And yes, of course, absolutely. Anybody could, anybody would agree with that, uh, except but the media. To say that NATO and all its members that they would not go to up to the borders of Russia after the Soviet Union was dissolved. And Putin says he's been talking about this for 30 years, and no one's listening to him. So I guess when he gets belligerent, that's when they start listening. But it's but he's also, well, that's, you know, that's kind of simplistic too, and he's feeding into he's feeding into kind of rudimentary uh, intelligence there, and it is a lot of propaganda in what he says as well. Nobody there is really in in the mix. I should say, practically nobody in the mix is telling us the comprehensive story. They can't afford to because they'll have to indict themselves one way or the other uh, uh, for their part in the problem. So they will give us a necessarily uh, simple understanding 
which of course does not implicate them. Um, so when you have a consumer of information, you have to go to all kinds of sources in order to get some appreciation of the complexity of an issue. I agree, Leslie? and I, I think people will be um, open-minded and try to get other news sources outside of American media. And there's several online. Those are just two, two or three of the people whom I mentioned who might be able to give you more insight to help you make a better decision and not freak out about what they're um, proposing. Because Putin also says that he was not threatening nuclear war. He didn't mention nuclear weapons, even though what he said was not specific. It was also kind of vague that he says he's not um, threatening nuclear war. Well, thank you for contributing today. You make a very important point that we should all, to whatever degree we can, kind of put a little bit more elastic in our sources and look outside of the predictable sources that we're depending on because we are targets. We're not just consumers of information. We are targets as well. Thank you. Brother David from Brooklyn, you're on the air. I didn't have a chance to hear the whole program, but I have the gist of what you're looking for. And the thing that gets to my mind right now is the one word, hypocrisy. Uh, and I say that uh, because we know that the uh, Russians did not want uh, nuclear uh, weapons on their border, uh, and Ukraine was uh, being considered with uh, getting into uh, NATO and uh, bringing arms in, uh, but what uh, I mean by hypocrisy is the fact that the United States has a long history of invading uh, countries left and right all over the world, uh, countries that uh, didn't provoke them. Uh, you know, we're talking about Afghanistan. They had no right to invade Afghanistan, no right to invade Iraq, uh, Syria, uh, uh, Grenada, uh, Cuba with the uh, Cuban Missile Crisis. And they have a long history of doing that all over the world. So to me, uh, to uh, demonize the Russians uh, for what you've been doing all along the way uh, doesn't uh, make sense to me. With the invasion of Libya, uh, a, a situation was created where uh, refugees from all over Africa, Libya, Libya and all over Africa and other places are allowed to die in the sea uh, trying to get uh, free uh, uh, to Europe to suffer the uh, escape the suffering that they're suffering in their own countries by the attack on Libya that uh, 
the United States made. So to me, uh, the key word here is total hypocrisy. That's what's on my mind. All right. Thank you. You made it perfectly clear. Thank you so much. Gino from the Bronx, you're on the air. Eutrice from Florida, greetings. Greetings. Formerly from New York, that we look forward to you coming back again one day. When the one of these days, yeah. <laughs> anyway, greetings to you and everybody else out there. Yeah, just to add to the uh, list uh, what's being said, uh, there were some things left out, as far as we know, with the German uh, deal with uh, Gorbachev and, and Bush and, and uh, Reagan. But uh, later on, although they did go against that, and it was said not even one inch. By the way, German, uh, France and England were against that unification. And another thing I learned the other day was the two invasions into uh, Russia came via Ukraine. So they're very sensitive to that part of the, uh, uh, you know, of the world. And also that we forget the coup that was uh, supplied by us that happened where a democratically elected president of Ukraine was overthrown. He didn't order the soldiers to shoot at the, uh, you know, rioters. Uh, he fleed. They, bought, they, they burned the buildings. And the man in there now was caught on tape as the man who will be there on uh, Victoria Newland. So I would just say as far as, far as refer- and by the way, I just saw today on the Jimmy Dore show, you can see the actual people involved in this and the government documents going back these past uh, almost two decades. And you'll see this one guy, uh, somebody made mention of there's Nazis in the government, which is true, but you can actually see one of them talking, his talking points today. And when those protesters were being shot upon, I have a strong suspicion it was done by these type of people to stimulate uh, uh, what, they're, what they're pushing for now. Also, the president of the country said that he wanted to put weapons on last year, on that part of Ukraine, take over the two separatist areas which rebelled against the rebellion, uh, the coup. And uh, the 14,000 people that have been killed over the years was never really noticed in the news. So everything has a preference to, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, to what's going on or uh, a preview of what's going on now. It's all connected and just connecting the dots a little more. That's why I called up to add to that. But again, I would say Ray McGovern, an analyst for five government, five presidents of the United States, he speaks Russian, so he knows what's been said by uh, Vladimir uh, Putin over the years, and they did say don't cross that line, and government analysts, whether they be military generals or whether they be uh, uh, people in the, uh, in the diplomatic realm, knew that Crossing that line is asking for trouble. Well, they did it. So the profits will go up, as we were discussing not long ago, with the military contracts. The actual amount of uh, governments that joined NATO was 16 more, so it went from like 16 to 32. So that's something to be in perspective with the amount of other countries that Russia let go. And they joined NATO, and the missiles, by the way, will take about five minutes compared to 25 minutes to hit Moscow with the technology the way it's advancing. So all that put together with the amount of people that, uh, you know, died with that maniac Hitler going up against that country, including Putin's brother, and to call this guy a, a Hitler type, uh, imagine that when what the, the Nazis did to that country. By the way, even Churchill said they broke the back of the German spirit. They were fighting the, uh, the Stalingrad and Leningrad. And unfortunately, after Roosevelt died, 
our chance for cooperation and uh, you know ended because we supported China against Japan, we supported Russia against Germany, and uh, unfortunately after that with Truman and the dropping of the bomb on innocent people, uh, it went off to the races with the, uh, the the arms race as General Eisenhower warned against in his last speech. So here we are, and so it's not a surprise to me. It's just that they're pretending it's a surprise on TV. Uh, just to keep us like uh, they're so innocent. So that's just my um, little more light on the topic of other minds adding to what's going on, you trees. So wish you all good week. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Gino, for your call and your input today. Thank you. You're welcome. Jeremiah from Harlem, you're on the air. Hi, how's it going today, you trees? I want to continue. It's um, going. Good, I can tell. Um, I want to. <laughs> continue along the lines of the previous caller because actually the previous couple of callers, because this is a very, very complex situation. I mean, every little aspect of it is extremely complex. So I want to be very cautious as I share whatever I'm going to share just in terms of my perspective now, because I, I don't have some strong grasp on the whole situation that I would assert myself in some way as some sort of authority and what's going on here, because I find the whole thing to be extremely complex, as I've said. And as Leslie alluded to, um, you know, any particular news source is really not going to give you a complete picture. There's so many aspects to consider. Now, one thing I wanted to point out, just based on my own experience, is as I mentioned in previous calls, I've had the pleasure of going to Ukraine um, two summers in a row previous to you know, the whole COVID worldwide event where I didn't get to travel as I had previously. But prior to that, I had gone to Ukraine for short trips and had an amazing experience, as I mentioned. And I'd gotten there just after Zelensky had taken power, just after he had won the election in, uh, in a landslide where he got over 73% of the vote. And what I wanted to comment on about Zelensky is that he was a populist who um, did a few things, at least that I know of, that were palpable for the Ukrainian people. And what I mean by that is I was told that he went and confronted factory owners demanding better working conditions and back pay that was owed to workers. And these were sort of publicized before the Ukrainian public, and that um, made him even more popular because he went and said, these people are owed money, you can't continue to not pay your workers and to maintain a debt to your workers, they need to be paid right now or you'll be put out of business. Another thing that I heard mentioned that he did was something regarding um, loosening or lightening passport restrictions. I don't know if it was an issue of dual citizenship between Russia and Ukraine or, or what the whole scope of the issue was, but he basically implemented something where he loosened the passport restrictions and said, if you're Ukrainian, then you should be free to travel in and out of Ukraine. And there shouldn't be this difficulty regarding passport restrictions. So those are just two examples that I remember offhand. So, you know, I find myself in a strange uh, sort of uh, disposition in regard to Zelensky because I find him to be a fascinating, somewhat of a compelling character and I don't know if you happen to see, Trace, the kind of powerful image of him standing in Ki in Kiev somewhere. And I guess he's like um, right 
in the, it seemed like a background that I recognized almost like he was on the Broadway of Kiev, but he was saying, I'm not going anywhere. I've been offered escape routes. Basically I've been offered places to escape to, and I don't want to escape. I want arms to fight in defense of my country. Okay. Now, I mean, there's a lot of machismo in that. And I, I would say a lot of courage. I mean, that he would turn down the, uh, the privilege of, of being saved and, and would stand and fight and die for his people. I mean, if he does indeed die in this conflict, I mean, what could really be said about the man, you know? Um, but what makes me very suspicious of Zelensky, having said everything that I just said, is that the U.S. is backing him so thoroughly and that the media has turned him into such a darling, which makes me wonder what is up with this guy. Um, I just can't trust that. Um, but what I was saying in the first place was just simply to paint the picture for those who might not have this impression or, or much knowledge about Zelensky and not that I have great knowledge of him, but he had a, a populism that was palpable for the people. It wasn't the sort of democratic party rhetoric that we've gotten used to. Um, he did things that the, the people on the ground, the everyday Ukrainian person, really appreciated. And, you know, I also will just add to that quickly and say that, um, you know, there's this notion of Nazis in Ukraine and a neo-Nazi presence. And I'm sure that there is a neo-Nazi presence in Ukraine. However, this is being turned into, a, you know, a, a, an excuse for this imperialism, this Russian imperialism. And it really is a distortion in terms of not taking into full consideration the neo-Nazi presence throughout Europe. And in fact, the neo-Nazi presence in Russia itself. So it's interesting to say, oh, we need to denazify Ukraine. Well, why don't you denazify Russia, for starters? Uh, or or actually, start in the U.S. Denazify or in the U.S. US. Oh, right. But I'm saying, and there's absolutely this neo-Nazi um, element in the United States. But I mean, from a Russian perspective, you know, that's one of Putin's justifications for his imperialism is that we have these Nazis on our borders. But there are actually people in Russia who have made a, a conglomerate sort of symbol of the old Soviet sickle and hammer and the Nazi symbol. And they've tried to subsume Nazism and Sovietism as some sort of new ideology, which I don't know the inner workings of the ideology, but that actually exists in Russia. When Croatia won the uh, semifinal matchup in the World Cup to face France in, uh, in the World Cup, I was in Belarus at the time, and I was noticing comments online of people saying, well, we have to all support France because the, the Croatians are neo-Nazis. And apparently even the Croatian soccer team was caught singing some sort of fascist songs in celebration in their locker room. So there's just this kind of odd neo-Nazi element, yes, in our country, but in Europe, in the uh, Slavic countries, unfortunately. And to, to put that on Ukraine as a unique feature of Ukraine, I don't think is accurate. So well, those are just my two cents. It's a subliminal attack, really, against Jews, um, because in, Zelensky, in that of course, region, in that region, you have 
a burgeoning Jewish population. And you have still a rather vivid living history of Jews of all different religious stripes, whether orthodox or reformed or conservative. But this is a way of keeping alive the enmity with Jews and uh, hearkening back to the days when Jews were chased down and, and uh, were, were directed, violence directed at them. And right. it is happening again. It is happening again. Right, and Zelensky, you know, is a Jew, actually, and a, a dual citizen. I was surprised to find out a dual citizen of Ukraine and Israel. Well, this, this, you see, this is a, the, the what is really behind it. The, the, the referral, or the, the reference, I should say, the reference to Nazis is really the subtext for uh, an appeal to those who have forgotten that they're, they're supposed to be concerned about the Jews and, and the expunging of Jews, uh, to keep that alive, to keep that hatred alive. And right. uh, they're working hard at it. Indeed. Well, thank you, Eutrice. I appreciate the platform, as always. Thank you for calling in. Rob from Long Island, you're going to close out the show today. You're on the air. Well, what an honor. <laughs> oh, uh, not at all. Well, the first, the first thing I'll talk about is um, about a month or so ago, you had a question, I believe it was on a, maybe on a Friday, that the question was, are you happy? <laughs> And I'm thinking, who is the person that asked me that kind of question? It's a great question. <laughs> and um, I'm just thinking how awkward it would be for me to ask somebody else that. <laughs> People say, who is that guy? What's wrong with him? Well, what do you mean? <laughs> um, I, that, that, that's just a, that's just a side thought. I think I think you can probably go on for you know months with that question and people calling in and all kind of uh, responses to that question. It's 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 a huge it's a huge question. I really probably don't want to exactly get into that, but that was just on the top of my list when I finally oh, okay. did get to talk to you. Um, you know all this all this talk with the wars and like. I end up kind of like glossing over with all these like analysis and, you know, it, it kind of, to me in my mind, you know, after all these years, I'm, you know, 65 and it's like, isn't it all the same? You know, isn't it all like, then, then yeah, I have to ask the question, well, is, is mankind is inherently evil, you know, those kind of questions, and because that's really what it comes down to, right? It comes down to evil and greed, and you know, fear, and you know, I'm better than you, and you know, to get down to the nitty gritties of, you know, this person said that, and 
and this is why it happened. I don't, you know, it, I kind of look at the kind of bigger picture, and to me, it's like, you know, why, why talk about it? It's like talking about um, where the wind comes from. Okay, yeah. <laughs> you know how it is. <laughs> I hate to bring you bad news, but we are out of time, so I'm going to invite you to come back and finish your thoughts. Um, and maybe even present uh, corresponding thoughts to what you were talking about today. Okay, I'll be glad to do that. I'm, I'm, I'm glad I, I at least uh, broke the ice. And, and uh, Yes, you did. Thank you so much. Thank you all Thank you. for calling in and freeing your mind today. I It's the weekend, and I wish you uh, some peace and quiet someplace where you can reconstitute yourselves and rearm yourselves at least spiritually and emotionally for what's coming next week. Be good to yourself. Laugh a little bit. Hang in with your family and friends and have a good time. We'll see each other Monday. Bye-bye.